The opinions expressed during this program are solely the opinions of the hosts, guests, and callers. They do not necessarily represent the views of the advertisers, management, staff, or ownership of WCTC. WCTC Sound Advice presents NJ Law Talk with Ken Verkamen. NJ Law Talk, the weekly program focused on the law from a Jersey perspective. Now, here's your host for NJ Law Talk, Ken Verkamen. Central Jersey. This is Ken Verkamen, and uh, we're here every Tuesday night at 6 p.m., 6 to 7, and uh, we're talking about different legal topics. And this week, we're talking about personal injury and medical malpractice cases. And uh, my special guest star is attorney Adam Rothenberg. Good afternoon and good evening, Adam. Good afternoon, Ken. Thanks okay. for having me here. Let's see. So, Adam, in um, your practice, uh, you and your law firm handle a substantial amount of personal injury cases and other types of civil matters, correct? All, all variety of personal injury cases uh, from everything from auto accidents, fall downs to, of course, medical malpractice, uh, product liability, uh, acts, workers' compensation. Now, just so our listeners un- understand a little bit about um, – personal injury cases. Let's start off with a typical car accident case. And uh, and so in a uh, car accident case, there's uh, before someone is permitted to bring a lawsuit, if they have an injury, they have to meet something called the lawsuit threshold. And what is this lawsuit threshold thing that most people have? Right. Uh, Probably about 90, 95% of people in New Jersey have the limitation on lawsuit option, which is on their insurance. They probably don't even know that they have it. And what that means is that in order to make a claim, they have to prove that their injuries fall into one of six categories. And those categories are death, dismemberment, loss of fetus, displaced fracture, significant disfigurement, or uh, the category, the final catch-all category, a permanent injury that has not and will not heal with further treatment. Now, you have to prove that uh, by jumping through specific Hoops are over certain hurdles. The can, your doc, can your doctor, your chiropractor, uh, just simply like, uh, sign a report saying, uh, in my opinion, they have a per- permanent injury because of their pains and that they can't do certain things? No, the statute won't allow that. The statute actually requires uh, that them satisfy this threshold by uh, the doctor not only certifying that the injury is, pr- is permanent, but that it's proven by objective medical evidence. So if... if um if someone's in substantial pain, but after months and months, the uh, MRI and the X-ray doesn't show something specific, are they are they out of luck? They, they they are. I mean, they are with respect to what are called non-economic damages. You can still make a claim for economic damages. So, for example, if uh, they were out of work or they had lost wages, but to the extent that we're talking about pain, suffering, disability, loss of enjoyment of life, things that are typically what we're pursuing in a medical, not a medical mal practice, but any personal injury type of case, um, those damages are foreclosed if you can't satisfy this threshold. Who made this law that says you can't bring a claim in a car accident case if you have an injury? The injury, the insurance companies. No. So them and uh, their people lobbied and it got passed years ago, right? Well, the, the statutes, it started in 1972 and the whole idea was with no fault was that there was a trade-off between us having medical coverage so that people get in an accident, their car insurance pays for their own medical, that's PIP, and then the trade-off is, is that there was a limitation on the right to sue so that what we were trying to do was reduce the cost uh, of insurance and reduce um, 
spurious claims, and, and, and it does to some extent. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, let's say that you had the worst year ever. You had an accident. You were in a horrible accident, and you had this all, all this pain, but you don't have any objective testing, and, or you get better. And the answer is, well, you can't make a claim based upon that threshold. And that's unfortunate because some people are foreclosed. Legitimate cases are, are foreclosed as well. Now, let's say like, that only applies to uh, the typical like a uh, regular car. It doesn't apply to tractor trailers, cabs, or bona fide commercial vehicles, correct? Right, the, because it goes hand in hand with this PIP thing. It doesn't apply to commercial vehicles, and so that's important to know that there are certain exceptions. Well, reason why you want to talk to someone like yourself or me, don't just sit there and say, "Well, I can't make that claim." You have to know because there are a number of exceptions. Uh, while there are few and sometimes far between, some of them are obvious, like the tractor trailer. But others, you know, you really want somebody who knows what they're doing. Now, commer- uh, interesting question, commercial vehicle. Let's say you get the accident report and the negligent driver uh, that went through the red light, uh, uh, they're driving a regular car just like any other person, but we see it's owned by uh, the, uh, you know, XYZ Corporation. Does that make it a commercial vehicle if it's not owned by a person but it's owned by a corporation or an LLC? It D- depends upon uh, how it's being operated. And... Uh, simply the ownership doesn't make it so. It's the category of ownership. And there's an analysis that really takes a little more to explain than perhaps this format. But that, again, why you're talking to a a lawyer. Okay. So a different type of injury. Uh, Sometimes like people like uh, suffer a bad injury when they slip on snow and ice that uh, has not been properly cleaned up in uh, a mall parking lot, Pathmark parking lot. Uh, um, Let's see. How is that in a way different from the car accident case? Do they still need to prove this tort threshold thing? No, the the threshold is specifically unique to the auto type accidents. I mean, it, any claim then can be made based upon the actual damages, whether the damages be large or small. Uh, obviously, uh, it's when there's some sort of significance to it, but there's not that threshold. So you can make a claim for the full extent of your injuries, whether it be uh, significant or smaller, and you don't have to jump over that threshold, so to speak. Now, let's see. In Now, our primary topic today was going to be medical malpractice cases. And I like to start off by saying, I love doctors. Like, uh, I don't have any beef with doctors. Me, me too. My dad was a doctor. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, lo- I can only say great things about the uh, University of Orthopedics and the doctors there that helped me out with my, my knee surgeries. But how is a medical malpractice case against uh, uh, doctors that the aren't that good, I'd say, how is that different from the typical car accident or uh, fall down case? Well, I, I think that that's sort of maybe a fallacy. It's not that there are, even a good doctor can make a mistake. Even a good driver can make a mistake. Even a good store can make a mistake. What we're talking about is in society is that we hold people responsible for the mistakes they make. Unfortunately, the, the stakes are higher. When you're talking about a doctor, you're talking about life and death oftentimes. You're talking about specific, you know, very significant things, and we have to put our trust in those doctors. Um, good doctors make mistakes. Unfortunately, there are good doctors and bad doctors who make mistakes. The question is in malpractice, and when we talk about a malpractice, um, it's the same thing as negligence, the same thing as if you thought about it as a driver. If you run a red light, you run a stop sign, that's negligence. We could call that driver malpractice. When we talk about medicine and we talk about medical malpractice, that's really negligence. It's just failure to do what you're supposed to do or not doing what you're supposed to do. So if a doctor fails to diagnose or fails to treat something, 
that's what we call malpractice. And there's a standard of care. And so when we talk about malpractice, the standard of care is what formulates how we decide whether or not a doctor has done something wrong. Does the doctor conform to the standard? So one of the differences is that, um, for example, let's start with there are really three aspects that have to be proven, which is negligence, proximate cause, and then damages. So if we talk about what the standard of care is, what did the doctor do wrong? Well, how do we judge that? And we have to look at other doctors because it's not like the driver's manual or, or the statutes uh, with you doing criminal and things like that. You look at, well, there's 39, one, you know, 4144, which, you know, is the stop sign, right? Yeah. And uh, you mentioned like the, uh, the causation. It, you know, someone could uh, be in a horrible, horrible accident, but if they don't have a, a bad injury... You know what's what's the case? A fellow came in and said, "I found glass in my uh, my my child's uh, baby baby food." You know, I goes like, "Oh, that's terrible!" Like, uh, how badly was the child injured? Well, fortunately, I saw the glass. I I go, "Well, then the child wasn't injured." No, he goes, "Well, then you don't really have a case that my office would be interested in." And the fellow says, "Well, does someone need to be, you know, die for someone to do something?" I said, "Well, it's not that you're calling us up to see what kind of money we can recover." for you and uh, aside from maybe getting a new, you know so, some uh, a case of baby food you know your your child fortunately was not injured you know thank god and, and that's the sa- same sort of situation not every time somebody does something wrong something bad happens as a result and so you know as a society we're not suing for something just doing wrong on the other hand look at the other side which is someone says something horrible horrible happened you say well let's talk about that situation and you look at it and you say well nobody did anything wrong the bad result doesn't you know the tail doesn't wag that dog either and so what we have to do is put all three aspects. Somebody had to do something wrong. Somebody, then we talked about that caused something to happen. And then there has to be the significant damages. And the guy with the glass, I mean, you know, thank God you dodged that bullet. I mean, someone could be on the corner and like uh, they almost get hit by a car while they're waiting for the bus. So it goes, well, they're, they're lucky. Right. You know, what's, what's, your, what's your injury? Um, now, let's see. You see ads sometimes in the, uh, the phone book, the old phone books and things on attorneys handling things. Can any attorney handle a uh, malpractice case? Anyone can, but anyone couldn't or shouldn't, I should say. You know, you have a situation where uh, medical malpractice, because of the peculiarities of of having to deal with the complexities of medicine, dealing with doctors and and learning that standard of care, understanding the standard of care, because it's not codified, um, really requires somebody who has the experience. There are, while we talked about those simple aspects, there are a lot of peculiarities to medical malpractice. And you, you really shouldn't be looking at someone who's just dabbling or, or somebody who hasn't done, you know, malpractice before because, well, not every lawyer has done every type of malpractice. The Supreme Court of New Jersey has set up a, uh, a method for someone to uh, take a test and uh, become what's called a uh, certified uh, by the Supreme Court uh, attorney. Are you one of them? I'm certified. I actually serve on the committee. I, I write the test now uh, along with a, another group of individuals. And yeah, I've been certified since 2001, been recertified and uh, um, got a stack of tests, a grade in my office. I, I took the test uh, this uh, summer, actually, uh, for the municipal court. And uh, I pushed the Supreme Court to have a municipal court certification and uh, I was then so worried because I, I really hope I pass this test. I'll be so embarrassed if I'm the one who's pushing it. And I don't, but fortunately, I, I did. I did pass there, the test. There was, was no good. chance of that happening. 
I see. So, uh, but uh, this is uh, NJ Law Talk, and we're here every Tuesday. My name's Ken Verkam, and I'm an attorney from Edison, New Jersey. And uh, um, in addition to the personal injury work, we do like, wills and probate, and we help people out with different things. And we come back, we're going to talk more about personal injury and med mal with Adam Rothenberg. I'm a paid non-attorney spokesperson. When you need a lawyer, remember this. Call Kenver Kamen. No matter what your legal need may be, wills and living wills, powers of attorney, probate, estate planning, traffic matters, criminal charges, call Kenver Kamen. Mr. Verkamen is a well-known attorney with offices in Edison at 2053 Woodbridge Avenue. He's author of the American Bar Association's Wills and Estate Administration. He established NJLaws.com, and he's the chair of the ABA Estate Planning and Law Committee. Hundreds of clients know him for the work he's done for them or from one of his many speaking engagements around the state. Call 732-572-0500. That's 732-572-0500 for the law offices of Kenver Kamen or on the web at njlaws.com. Kenver Kamen, the lawyer you want when it's a lawyer you need. Call 732-572-0500 and leave your legal matters to Kenver Kamen. The selection of an attorney is an important decision. If you find anything false or misleading in this ad, report it to the Committee on Attorney Advertising. CN037, Trenton, New Jersey, 08625. All-American Ford and Old Bridge invite you to be part of our annual Toys for Tots event. Make a difference in a child's life this holiday season. Join us and meet New Jersey Devils Travis Zajac, Damon Severson, and Michael Camilleri on Tuesday, December 16th from 5 to 8 p.m. at our showroom in Old Bridge. Plus, Santa Claus will also be there to take pictures with your kids. Make a difference by bringing the joy of holiday giving to others this year. Participating is easy. Just bring in a new unwrapped toy for our Toys for Tots collection. And then we'll send that toy to a child in need to help make their Christmas extra special. All those who bring in a toy for our collection will receive an autographed photo from one of our pro hockey players. In fact, you can bring up to three new unwrapped toys and get up to three autographed pictures. Signed by Travis. Travis Ajak, Damon Zeberson, and Michael Camilleri. Come to All-American Ford in Old Bridge on Route 9, December 16th from 5 till 8 p.m. to make a child's holiday wish come true. Checking WCTC traffic, and we're sponsored by the Foundation for a Better Life. Delays continue on the southbound Garden State Parkway pretty much all the way from the Union Tolls to the Turnpike. It's generally slow. Northbound traffic is backed up, too, from Kenilworth 138 pretty much to Bloomfield 150. 287 still very slow southbound exit 14 out to 440 pockets of stop and go and northbound you've got delays as well getting up in towards exit 12 from exit 5. Winston Churchill's words start his country the face and feet today they inspire us for our own victories commitment pass it on 45 degrees John Grimeyer WCTC traffic. Now the 1450 WCTC forecast occasional rain in central Jersey this evening most widespread early on then later on tonight it's just mostly cloudy there could be some patchy fog or drizzle with a low near 40. Despite drying winds tomorrow, we'll have mostly cloudy skies and a high at 50 to 55. Then for Thursday, turning cooler and still breezy, high 40 to 45. I'm Ken Elliott on 1450 WCTC. Now, more NJ Law Talk on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. Hello, this is Ken Verkam, an attorney from Edison, New Jersey, uh, on NJ Law Talk. We're here every Tuesday night, and our special guest star is Adam Rothenberg, attorney from Edison, New Jersey. Good evening again, Adam. Wow, thanks. <laughs> are you, are you, you're, uh, you're probably old enough to remember the old Batman TV show, and wow. each week you had a special guest star. You had the Penguin and the uh, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, I was going to say, Riddler. my Burgess Meredith? Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, <laughs> the, the, the re- real Batman, 
uh, going back. So you're our, spe- you're our special guest star. So we're talking about uh, personal injury cases, and uh, there's different. St- in addition to uh, you know making sure that someone has uh, a legitimate claim, a real claim, there are certain hurdles uh, similar to the car accident cases where you can even uh, before you can bring a case. So in a car accident case, you got to have the doctor. Uh, sign some type of like certification saying there's a permanent injury and you need bona fide MRI or or something to prove that there's a permanent injury uh, in a car in the car accident case right, right? Yeah, absolutely uh, as similar with uh, the car accident we, we have a requirement of what's called an affidavit of merit and that's so, a, in the medical malpractice cases that's a, a New Jersey statute it is and it, it really has uh, made it in some ways much more difficult to bring cases Every doctor who is sued and every healthcare professional, it also applies actually to, to lawyers and engineers as well and some other professions, but we're talking about medical malpractice. You have to have a doctor who has the exact same qualifications as the defendant who says that before the case ever starts that there's a reasonable probability that there was malpractice. And sometimes it's hard to get a match. Um, that's something that while uh, we were talking about the difficulty or the differences, that has to be done before the case is ever put in suit. So it's really important, for example, for us to have ample time to investigate the case well before the statute of limitations because we've got to get the records, get them out to a doctor and have somebody say, hey, listen, it's not just my opinion. It's just not your opinion. You know, someone calls me and says, oh, the doctor did wrong or, and I may have think the doctor does wrong. But it doesn't really matter. We have to find a doctor who has the same qualifications who says, well, I think that there's a pretty good chance that this doctor did something wrong as part of this. Now, that's, that's interesting. How do you find these kind of, these kind of doctors? It, it, it's sometimes a needle in a haystack search. I mean, there are some times where people have really extraordinary qualifications, uh, very specialized, and, and getting that match, it's like, um, it, it can be difficult. So we'll have to do searches on the internet. We do searches through different surface, s- services. And, and of course, uh, based upon just having done it. And again, this is another reason why you want to go to somebody who knows how and where to look for those doctors, because you got to match up. And if you don't get it, you file suit and an answer gets filed within 60 days. If you don't have it, the case gets dismissed as if you went to trial and you lost. I mean, that's a that's attorney malpractice. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't your office have a doctor on staff? We, we do. One of my associates is an MDJD. And, what's, uh, what's an MDJD? She's uh, both a doctor. She was a, a cardiologist uh, in practice, decided to go to med school, and she and I worked together, Rosemary McGady. Uh, and uh, Rosemary is also an attorney, so she works with me in, in screening the cases and, and really gives us a, a great advantage in being able to look at the cases, understand the medicine, before we ever have to send it out to a doctor and get their help as well because you want to help people out but if if you if if you've been doing this for 20 25 years let's say yeah uh you got a medical if you don't see something where there's malpractice um then uh Sometimes you just send a letter to the person saying, listen, sorry, I, I can't help you out. We can't find someone, right? It, it's really hard. I mean, people come, we were talking about how the stakes are higher. So people call you and, and they're upset. They've lost somebody, for example, or, or the impact upon their life is horrible. And they can't get their head around the fact that maybe they went in for a routine procedure and something bad happened. And just because something bad happened doesn't mean the doctor made a mistake. I mean, it's they call it the... Uh, practice of medicine, and the reason doctors always say it's called the practice is because it's not perfect. And, and 
when you look at that, what we have to do is look at not whether or not, for example, in uh, medicine, there's a what's called a judgment charge, where if the doctor has two legitimate choices and makes the wrong choice, they can't be held responsible. And the law says that. What we have to do is look at and say, well, doctors shouldn't do that in that situation. So that's the wrong choice and being able to identify that. And so sometimes the right choices, the wrong choice was made in retrospect, but it was a legitimate choice at the time. They can't be held responsible. There's some magic word. They deviated from the acceptable standards or something like that. What's what's it called in medical malpractice? They deviated from the accepted standard of care. And we're talking about the standard of care. So it's what a similar situated doctor would do in that circumstance. And so if the doctor is exercising his judgment and making a legitimate choice, but it turns out to be the wrong choice, that's not malpractice. It has to be they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So that, for example, they didn't look at the test. Uh, you've got somebody that they went in and there's a uh, mammogram. And so the mammogram doesn't get read. Uh, they didn't recognize that, didn't pay attention to it, looked over it, uh, didn't listen to the do- the symptoms. You know, I recently had a case where a woman had uh, um, meningitis. And, and so the, the person came in and they complained and the doctor just wasn't really paying attention, didn't take the history, didn't listen to the patient. That's really an important part. Now, in, when someone, someone calls uh, your office, I mean, I have an office in Edison. Typically, like, uh, we'll say, okay, we'll schedule an appointment for you. We're going to email you out a questionnaire just so we can get some basic information. And, you know, uh, and we also ask questions on, you know, what's your pr- prior injuries and uh, prior, prior problems. I'd say, uh, how does your office handle, like, uh, the initial intake? Well, you can't do it by that. It's really very time-consuming, and this is why I have both a paralegal as well as Rosemary, myself, some of my partners as well, where when we, sit, when we talk to somebody, first of all, we get the phone call, we've got to go through and sort of do that initial screening, and every step is a screening. So first we want to talk to the person, find out some of the facts, sort of identify whether or not there are those the elements that we described before. If they are... And, it, and we get to that point where we think, boy, there might be something here. We're going to bring them in. But if not, you know, people, we try to be, uh, I guess, loving in uh, trying to, you know, usher them through a difficult time. Because sometimes the answer that they want to hear, which is there is malpractice, they don't hear. But what we're looking for is those cases where we can put together those situations and be able to help someone. Yeah. When pe- It's not only in personal injury cases, but in criminal cases and I'll, sometimes people want they want a specific answer, and I'll say, "Listen, I can either tell you what you want to hear, or I can tell you the truth." Right. Say, and just like you know, you know, someone comes in, they're facing some kind of like a criminal charge, and I'll say, "Listen, let's say, you know, here are some of the like uh, possible scenarios, but this is probably the best case scenario." Right. And if they if they want if they want a miracle, well, uh, you know, uh, I'd say. Uh, I can't. I can't do. I can't do miracles. Some people want to guarantee. I goes. Listen. I can't guarantee the Earth is not going to get hit by a meteor tomorrow. Well, if you want someone to blow smoke at somebody, then go to somebody else. If you want somebody to be honest, you go to someone like us. We're going to tell you the the truth and really look at it honestly. Yeah, and so some like uh, some of these personal injury attorneys, they'll they'll send letters out. They'll bring people in and they'll t- they'll they'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to get you some money. And then you know a year later after they've almost wasted their time treating for no reason in car accidents. They'll say, oh, we can't get anything for you. So Then, then they call us. <laughs> yeah, and they're almost better off in the beginning having the attorney be honest saying, listen, you know, you can't make a claim unless there's a doctor that uh, says that you have a permanent injury. 
Okay, uh, we're going to be uh, back uh, shortly. This is Ken Verkam, an attorney from Edison, New Jersey. This is NJ Law Talk. We're here every Tuesday night at 6 p.m., and we talk about issues such as uh, wills and probate and power of attorney. And uh, let's see, uh, next week we'll be talking about municipal court and also criminal. I'm a paid non-attorney spokesperson. When you need a lawyer, remember this. Call Kenver Kamen. No matter what your legal need may be, wills and living wills, powers of attorney, probate, estate planning, traffic matters, criminal charges, call Kenver Kamen. Mr. Verkamen is a well-known attorney with offices in Edison at 2053 Woodbridge Avenue. He's author of the American Bar Association's Wills and Estate Administration. He established NJLaws.com, and he's the chair of the ABA Estate Planning and Law Committee. Hundreds of clients know him for the work he's done for them or from one of his many speaking engagements around the state. Call 732-572-0500. That's 732-572-0500 for the law offices of Kenver Kamen or on the web at njlaws.com. Kenver Kamen, the lawyer you want when it's a lawyer you need. Call 732-572-0500 and leave your legal matters to Kenver Kamen. The selection of an attorney is an important decision. If you find anything false or misleading in this ad, report it to the Committee on Attorney Advertising. CN037, Trenton, New Jersey, 08625. WCTC New Brunswick. AP Update. I'm Ed Donahue. No criminal charges will be filed in Los Angeles against Bill Cosby from a woman who went to police to try to press sexual, child sexual abuse charges from an incident she says happened 40 years ago. The AP's Oscar Wells-Gabriel has details. Judy Huff has filed a civil lawsuit against Bill Cosby stemming from the incident at the Playboy Mansion when she was just 15 years old. She claims that Cosby molested her, but prosecutors are not filing charges because the statute of limitations has run out. Cosby's attorney claims Huff tried to extort a quarter million dollars from Cosby before filing that suit. Prosecutors in Los Angeles say the statute of limitations for filing a misdemeanor case is one year. The statute of limitations for a felony sex crime committed in 1974 was three years. Huff is one of at least 15 women who have come forward since early November with claims that Bill Cosby sexually assaulted them decades ago. AP Update, I'm Ed Donahue. I want to sell my car, but I really don't want strangers calling me all hours of the day and night and definitely don't want them coming to my home. I want to get a new car, but... How can I know for sure if I'm getting a fair deal on my trade-in? What are the chances that, after all the fancy math at the dealership, I'm getting the right value for my car? Who needs that? My friend told me about 1-800-CAR-CASH and how they pay top dollar for vehicles. They buy any year, make or model, any mileage, leased or financed. It was easy, fast and safe. If you need to sell your car, sell it today just by calling 1-800-CAR-CASH. You can get a quote 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Visit them on Route 18 in East Brunswick or go to 1-800-CARCASHNJ.COM. 1-800-CARCASH, the fastest way to sell your car since 1977. I just sold my car to CarCash. I'm in love with those CarCash guys. The world of beer in New Brunswick is the place for your holiday get-together. With great food, 50 beers on tap, 500 different bottled beers, and over 20 flat screen TVs, you're sure to have a memorable time. Looking for something special for the holidays? A World of Beer gift certificate makes the perfect gift. Buy a $50 certificate and they'll give you a $10 bonus card. There's always something special happening at World of Beer. Every Tuesday is Trivia Night and Loyalty Night with 25% off select bottled beers. On Wednesday, it's Karaoke Night and Ladies Night featuring beer and wine specials. 
Looking to catch a bowl game or pro game? With 20 TVs, you're in luck at World of Beer. Go to wobusa.com slash New Brunswick for the entertainment calendar, including the World of Beer app to find your favorite brew. Find World of Beer on George Street near the State Theater at wobusa.com slash New Brunswick on Facebook and follow them on Twitter. Here are some general contest rules for 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. No purchase necessary. One winner per household every 30 days. Valid ID required to claim prizes. Prizes may be substituted for one of equal or greater value. Employees of greater media or relatives of employees, advertisers, sponsors, or other radio stations are ineligible. Contestants must be at least 18 years of age or older and a legal U.S. resident living or working in a terrestrial listening area. Our decisions are final and we reserve the right to alter or cancel the contest at any time. Odds of winning depend on the number of entries received. Not responsible for loss, late, damage, or misdirected entries. Winners are responsible for any taxes, penalties, and gratuities. We and our sponsors reserve the right to use photos, voice recordings, and images and likenesses of winners and contestants for advertising and promotional purposes. Copies of complete contest rules and a list of winners are available during regular business hours at our studios, 78 Veronica Avenue, Somerset, New Jersey. All federal, state, and local laws and regulations are Return to the glory days of yesteryear every Sunday night at 7 with WCTC's Retro Radio. Three full hours of mystery, suspense, fantasy, and adventure. It's like a theater in your mind. Journey back in time to the days when windows were in your house, not your computer, with WCTC's Retro Radio. Sunday nights at 7 on the new talk radio, 1450 WCTC, the voice of Central Jersey. Checking WCTC traffic. We're sponsored by the Foundation for a Better Life. And how about this traffic on the Garden State Parkway? Really is stop and go. Uh, getting out from the area of exit 136 right on down towards uh, the New Jersey Turnpike. Northbound traffic begins to slow down getting up by uh, the Union Toll. Southbound delays on 287. It's almost the full way from exit 14 down to 440. Stop and go. Winston Churchill's words stirred his country in the face of defeat. Today they inspire us to reach for our own victories. Commitment. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. 45 degrees, John Grimeyer, WCTC traffic. Now the 1450 WCTC forecast. Wet weather for the evening commute in central Jersey. Occasional rain showers. They mostly taper off by midnight, though, then mostly cloudy with some patchy fog and drizzle. Lows down to around 40. More clouds than sun. Breezy tomorrow, but mild to high at 50 to 55. Then partly sunny, breezy, cooler on Thursday. Highs only 40 to 45. I'm meteorologist Ken Elliott on 1450 WCTC. Now, more MJ Law Talk on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. Hello, we're back on the air. This is Ken Verkamen from Edison, New Jersey. I'm an attorney, and every Tuesday night at 6 p.m., we're at NJ Law Talk, and our special guest star is Adam Rothenberg, and we've been talking about medical malpractice cases and personal injury cases. So I'd say uh, um, in any kind of lawsuit, there's laws called the statute of limitations. What is the statutes of limit? What are these statute of limitations things? Well, uh, the statute of limitations is not uh, Lady Liberty. It's it's the <laughs> statute of limitations. So we, we've got that. And, and what that means is that a claim in New Jersey involving personal injury has to be brought within two years, typically. Now, there are certain tolling app uh, things. Tolling means that Sometimes they're ex- ex- expanded. For example, if uh, it involves a child, it's two years after their 18th birthday, 
except for, uh, for example, there's a statute now in medical malpractice which basically says that if it's a birth injury, it has to be brought um, by their 13th birthday. So, we, again, the reason why you want to go to experienced attorneys who, who know this type of thing. If you don't bring the claim within the statute of limitations, your claim's barred. And I mean, an attorney had called me up. He wanted some advice. And uh, he goes, we're thinking of bringing a claim. Uh, you know, someone got was killed and uh, it wasn't a personal it wasn't a medical malpractice case they were they were shot I go when did this when did this happen he goes about two and a half years ago he goes uh you're, that's more than t- two years doing the math I think I think you're out you're out of luck on that one uh, and unless mm-hmm. of course like we said tolling so let's mm-hmm. say the guy was in a coma for the last mm-hmm. year and a half then we'd have a tolling um, for example mm-hmm. we talked about tolling with children. Um, there are also in medical malpractice, there are very specific tollings, which don't exist. And there's what's called the discovery rule. So for example, let's say they left a sponge, you go in for surgery, they leave a sponge. And then a couple years later, you're having these stomach pains. And all of a sudden, you know, you go in the doctor and say, oh, you know, they do an x-ray and they find that this sponge is in and you had the surgery six years ago. You say, oh, well, that to your statute of limitations. Now that wouldn't apply because we'd have a tolling. The discovery rule involves where you have to know that somebody did something wrong and be able to put that together. And again, uh, that's something that uh, requires a, a level of sophistication to be able to understand where tolling might exist in those type of situations. Does that become the battle of the experts where you know, one side says you wouldn't have known, and the other side says you should have known when you had pains years ago? It, it, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you, you're a lot of times in front of a judge and who's going to have to pass upon those issues. Again, like, for example, a failure to diagnose cancer. Uh, we see that uh, happen a lot of times. A test was done five years ago. And the five years ago, when they go back and look at it and say, oh, it was there at that time. And how did they miss that? Well, since the cancer wasn't discovered until more recently, then the statute typically would start at that recent time in which the cancer was discovered because there was no way for you to have known that there was something done wrong or that there was a relationship. Does medical malpractice uh, would apply also to uh, the regular hospitals, such as JFK Medical Center or Raritan Bay Medical Center? Sure. Um, however, uh, if you sue a hospital, typically, uh, if you're just suing a hospital, there's a cap on damages of $250,000. That cap doesn't apply to the employees, and it doesn't imply, apply to individuals, but if you're suing just, say, the hospital, then it applies. There are also some special rules with respect to uh, people who are employees of the state, UMDNJ, so, uh, Robert okay. Wood Johnson. So Robert Wood Johnson is uh, one of the biggest hospitals in central Jersey, let's say, and they have their, their, their satellite hospitals, I would call them. Let's say, uh, are they... They're not a private entity. They're a state entity. They, they can be. And Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital, it's part of the university system. And when it's part of the university, the state university system, and whenever you're making a claim against the state, there are certain rules that apply, which are called the Tort Claims Act. Again, we're back to more legislation okay. in New Jersey, which limits the rights to sue. And again, really a reason why you have to have somebody knows it, because in New Jersey, if you have a claim against, let's say the person's a resident, and the resident is now with UMDNJ, University of Medicine Dentistry, New Jersey, which is a state uh, organization. That's the, that's the Rutgers Medical School, right? That's right. So if you don't make a claim, you have to file a notice of claim within 90 days of the arising of the Malpractice Act, or the claim can be barred. Is so, that the kind of like uh, form that someone can do themselves or do they really need someone that knows what they're doing? Yes and no. I, again, um, 
it's like there are certain things that anybody can do themselves. There are lots of do-it-yourselfers. Yeah. W- would I recommend it? Absolutely not. I mean, that's something that if we they don't can- if they don't do the form right, uh, then then they're barred. That's correct. Because there's also laws that the uh, uh, municipalities, government entities can say, well, you have to now fill out this more detailed form, and that still has to be done within 90 days tr- traditionally, correct? Sure, sure. I mean, there was a case that came out today. Um, they, they have reported cases, and one of the cases the, the court looked at and said, well, there's substantial compliance. It was close enough. But those few cases are few and far between. More often than not, unfortunately, people are sent packing with legitimate cases where they didn't make the claim within the 90 days. And again, that's why you have to talk to someone as soon as possible to find out whether or not the entity or the individuals involved in the care are people who have to have these Tort Claim Act notices uh, filed. And if it's not done, then your claim's going to get barred. So if, if someone call, contacts your office, they, they said, listen, we suffered this like bad, uh, bad injury, a bad result uh, after our, our surgical procedure or something wasn't diagnosed. How do you find out who the, who the players are, who the doctors and residents are? Well, first of all, what we're going to do is find out from them. We're going to ask that information. We're going to inquire as much as possible. We have various resources. We look at certain computer bases. We have contacts. And then we're going to get the medical records. To the extent that we don't know the information, we're going to send uh, the notices with John Doe pleading so that we can identify the type of person who was involved. If we don't know the person by name, we're going to identify them so that that way we make sure to protect someone's rights uh, in the long term. There's a, there are HIPAA laws. How do you get the medical records? Well, HIPAA requires specific authorizations. Uh, HIPAA's a bit of a bugaboo these days. Everybody's all worried about it. But uh, quite frankly, it's a federal regulatory scheme. It doesn't really have much teeth, but everybody's all worried about it. So we have to have people sign the proper authorizations, and then we send for medical medical records. Everybody's entitled to their medical records, believe it or not. So let's say uh, I've had clients that they want to get their medical records, uh, uh, and the doctor's office gives them a hard time. Let's say uh, then they, they just nearly or they just have to file uh, something with the Board of uh, Medical Examiners saying I'm filing a complaint because they haven't given us. And that usually yeah. um, gets the office moving. Right? Uh, unfor- unfortunately, every once in a while, you know, nobody likes having someone look over their shoulders. And some of the doctors are maybe a little cautious about it. You have office managers and stuff. But the truth is, is that the doctor's giving you a hard time. You're entitled to it. You contact the Board of Medical Examiners. And um, if you call them. Uh, they'll uh, certainly straighten that out. Uh, I have a phone number if you want for them. <laughs> yeah, what, do you know what it is? 609-826-7100. hope uh, they don't uh, light up the board well, there. I was, I was trying to help out someone that uh, was in a DWI, and the officer tried to say, well, she didn't do the test right. He goes, well, she's already had three knee surgeries, and uh, you know, you know, she, she wouldn't be able to pass those tests any day of the week, and we wanted to get the medical records, and uh, the one office said, oh, well, uh, we, we, we can't give them to you. That It can only be requested by an attorney. I simply said, listen, you tell that office, like, if they don't get give you the records, then um, we'll file a complaint. And all of a sudden, they magically found the records that they couldn't find and she, gave them to the lady. She had a good excuse for not being able to walk a straight line? Let's say, uh, oh, it was that, another do with alcohol. I mean, if you, <laughs> No, if the you, knee, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, 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 lost, you lose all your cartilage. I had, I had uh, knee surgery myself, and, uh, you know, for, you know, Months and months afterwards, uh, I couldn't walk right. Oh, let me let me touch upon something else. Uh, I'd say the hospitals typically are nonprofits. There's I've heard things such as a charitable immunity. Are does that apply to hospitals? 
That's what we were talking about before, which is charitable immunity. And again, uh, talking about another barrier to, to recovery, for example, if you fall at the Y and you're a beneficiary of the Y or at the church, uh, you fall there and you're a beneficiary of the good works of those charities, you can't make any recovery. Now, there is a... Wait, a, wait, wait. So, wait. So, if like, uh, if uh, my parents slip on snow and ice uh, uh, Christmas morning uh, and they break their hip and they got to go into a nursing home, they can't make a claim? If they're at the church, they're a member of the church, they're going there for church services, uh, unfortunately not. I mean, they're a Can they bring a claim against the snowplow company that negligently didn't clean up everything right away? Possibly. And that, again, there's uh, why you're coming to the, the skilled attorney. And we have to look at that as who's responsible. But unfortunately unfor- and unfortunately, what we're looking to do is protect charitable organizations. In the medical uh, milieu or, or context, what we do is we don't have that same immunity with respect to the doctors, and we don't have the same uh, thing with respect to the hospitals. There's a cap on the damages so that they can only have a judgment up to $250,000. Now, $250,000 may sound like a lot of money, but if you have a life-threatening injury or or you lost your life or or a loved one lost their life, it's really a drop in the bucket. How can can someone afford to hire an attorney to represent them? Well, we work on a contingent basis. And And what is that? Well, that means that we only get paid if we get results. We, again, looking at what type of firms you're going to hire, we'll lay out the cost of litigation typically, um, which... For example, I recently settled a, a case where my expenses were, were close to $100,000 in the case. And uh, my firm was uh, able to uh, put out the money for the experts, the, the doctors that we had to hire, the depositions, the filing fees, all the things that uh, were necessary. You have to have somebody who's going to put that out. We'll, we'll put out those expenses. Let's see. I um, want to talk about uh, what being injured in the YMCA and uh, health clubs uh, briefly when we come back from the break uh, because, uh, you know, sometimes someone says, nothing to do with medical malpractice, but uh, more and more people says, I got hurt at the gym. Uh, This is Ken Verkam, and I'm an attorney in Edison. This is NJ Law Talk every Tuesday at 6 p.m. I'm a paid non-attorney spokesperson. When you need a lawyer, remember this. Call Ken Verkamen. No matter what your legal need may be, wills and living wills, powers of attorney, probate, estate planning, traffic matters, criminal charges, call Ken Verkamen. Mr. Verkamen is a well-known attorney with offices in Edison at 2053 Woodbridge Avenue. He's author of the American Bar Association's Wills and Estate Administration. He established NJLaws.com, and he's the chair of the ABA Estate Planning and Law Committee. Hundreds of clients know him for the work he's done for them or from one of his many speaking engagements around the state. Call 732-572-0500. That's 732-572-0500 for the law offices of Ken Verkamen or on the web at njlaws.com. Ken Verkamen, the lawyer you want when it's a lawyer you need. Call 732-572-0500 and leave your legal matters to Ken Verkamen. The selection of an attorney is an important decision. If you find anything false or misleading in this ad, report it to the Committee on Attorney Advertising. CN037, Trenton, New Jersey, 08625. Crystal Auto Mall would like to thank you for over 20 years of customer loyalty. We interrupt this message for an important update from Crystal Auto Mall. The construction sale at Crystal Auto Mall is now in phase two. They need more room, so they must move all their Mazdas and Toyotas fast, which means you'll win big and double the savings during their construction and year-end clearance sale. It's the biggest event in Crystal Auto Mall history. The lowest prices ever on all new and pre-owned Mazdas and Toyotas at Crystal Auto Mall. 0% 
financing up to 60 months and two years of free maintenance with every Toyota. The construction and year-end clearance sale going on right now. We now resume the previous announcement. We always have and always will make sure our customers get the best deals and the best service in the tri-state area. Crystal Auto Mall will save you thousands, guaranteed. So get to Crystal Auto Mall for a new Toyota or Mazda before it's too late. Crystal Auto Mall on Route 22 West, Greenbrook, New Jersey. You'll see why the difference is crystal clear. Checking WCTC traffic once again, sponsored by the Foundation for Better Life, and we're backed up on the Parkway southbound around exit 136, right on down to the turnpike. Car lanes to the turnpike southbound side, an accident on the exit ramp at exit 11. And we also have traffic on 287 northbound exit 6 to 10 is stop and go southbound all the way from 14 to 440. Pockets of slow traffic. Winston Churchill's words stirred his country in the face of defeat. Today they inspire us to reach for our own victories. Commitment. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. 45 degrees. John Grimeyer, WCTC traffic. Have a great evening. Now the 1450 WCTC forecast. Periods of rain showers in central Jersey this evening, tapering off towards midnight, then just mostly cloudy, maybe some patchy fog or a patch of drizzle. Lows around 40. Tomorrow's mostly cloudy, but milder and breezy with a high 50 to 55. Then cooler for Thursday, but partly sunny, otherwise okay. High 40 to 45. I'm meteorologist Ken Elliott on 1450 WCTC. Now, more NJ Law Talk. On 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. Welcome, Central Jersey, and this is Ken Burkham, an attorney in Edison, New Jersey. We're here every Tuesday night, and this week we're talking about personal injury medical malpractice with my special guest star, Adam Rothenberg from Edison, New Jersey. And Adam, we were just talking about uh, um, not medical malpractice, but uh, um, someone's a member of, let's say, the YMCA. I'd say, and you, you pay your dues every year. It's not a, it's not a freebie. You pay your dues, and uh, um, it's not that you've tripped over your feet. You got you got injured because someone there screwed something up. You know, they left something on the floor, uh, uh, shouldn't have been there, an employee, and, and you're hurt badly. I'd say, you can't bring a claim against uh, the YMCA? Unfortunately not. I mean, what we have, again, is the Charitable Immunity Act. The idea is that the Y is uh, organized for charitable purposes. And uh, our legislature has made some decisions about people can be immunized. And you have a situation. It it can be disturbing. I mean, someone says, well, you know, I had a case where a gentleman got sucked to the bottom of of a hot tub and drowned. And and trying to explain to his widow how we couldn't help him was uh, devastating, devastating. Child care, someone who's got their child. But, you know, that doesn't apply, you know, when we talk about, you're talking about a gym, wouldn't apply, for example, to uh, a private gym. That That's because it's a charitable organization. Same thing with, you know, colleges are organized for charitable purposes. Same sort of immunities apply. Now, there's sometimes the people that may be negligent are not employees of the uh, charity or the or the hospital, and they're called uh, independent contractors. Now, can you, how can you bring a claim against an independent contractor? And, and that's what a lot of times when we're looking at a situation in which there are injuries, what we're looking for is whether or not, uh, and I hate to say looking a way to get around the statute, but there are statutes, you know, someone's been legitimately injured. Someone has a legitimate brief. This is something that should have been presented. When we talk about negligence, we're talking about the reason why we have these cases, in part, is not just to make someone whole or as much as money can, but also as a societal basis, say, look, you know what, by holding people responsible, we can pre- prevent this type of thing before. So we're looking for 
who was responsible? An independent contractor, somebody who is not part of the charity, who's not part of that organization. For example, let's say that they fell at the parking lot in the Y, and we're looking at they've hired a company who's supposed to come in and salt that and that company isn't a charity, then we'd be able to hold them responsible. So we're going to look at that type of thing. And uh, so say the cleaning companies typically are no longer uh, part of the company itself, uh, the charity, they're, they're outsourced, right? Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, for example, even in a hospital, going back to the medical malpractice, mm-hmm. you go to the emergency room, you think that doctor in the emergency room is a hospital employee. You think that the, the nurse may be, um, or, or the person you see is even a doctor. You may find out that, for example, most hospitals, the doctors you see in the emergency room are not hospital employees. They're, in fact, uh, independent contractors that the hospital hires a, a group practice to come in and provide services. And the, the, they, the person you see may or may not be a doctor. You can ask them, find out that they're a physician's assistant. You think, thought you saw the doctor who was an employee of the hospital. It turns out it was a physician's assistant who was working for this private practice. Now, there's um, we've been discussing what's called negligence. Let's say... Uh, um, what are some of the things that uh, would may take it out of negligence for you to bring a claim? Well, that's a good question because, again, we were talking about, you know, those limitations, and sometimes the rules are off. When we start talking about, uh, in, in almost everything, the one thing that sort of we agree upon is when someone transcends, you know, just simply, hey, they didn't do what they were supposed to, they made a mistake, it was something that they should have done. When we talk about someone who's done something intentionally or someone who's grossly negligent where it, it, it puts people – at risk with, you know, no regard for safety, and we're talking about that type of conduct, that type of conduct isn't immunized. And so what we look at is, and in those situations where we're looking for a situation where someone's transcended the rules, then all the immunities, those bets are off, and we're, we're able to pursue those cases. Unfortunately, one difficulty with that is that there may not be insurance coverage when that, someone stepped out of those rules. Now, that, that was going to be my next question. Uh, is, is there any requirement that uh, um, doctors and the employees at the hospitals and the clinics have insurance? Uh, there's generally not, as I understand. I, let me think, think. I think the doctors actually have the, the doctors have to have a certain level of coverage. The hospitals typically do. I mean, that's, again— But the hospitals are only liable to up to, you said, the uh, 250000 Yeah, there, there are very few for-profit— uh, in fact, I can't think of a for-profit uh, hospital in the state of New Jersey that doesn't fall under the Charitable Immunity Act. But, you know, maybe down in South Jersey or, or somewhere now, uh, like, I'm not familiar with. If, uh, so in, in your cases, uh, you get this affidavit of merit from a, uh, a bona fide specialist doctor. You bring your, you bring your suit. Uh, if, the, um, if the case doesn't settle, you go to uh, a, a jury trial. Uh, let's say the jurors said, okay, this doctor was 10% at fault, the hospital is X percent at fault. Uh, uh, well, what if uh, the doctors don't have insurance uh, and or they, the jurors say the hospital is 90% at fault? Well, unfortunately, if the the award of damages against the hospital exceeds the hospital, the, the person's out of luck. They can only recover what the level of coverage. Again, same thing with the, hosp- with the, the doctor. Uh, the, the typical doctors carrying perhaps maybe a million dollars, maybe a $3 million policy. It depends. And sometimes uh, the injuries can be so devastating, both economically and physically, and, and the suffering that's involved, the damages can be, uh, it can exceed that. Um, 
for uh, physicians, they have to be concerned about that. And, you know, again, it's not about vilifying a good doctor. It's uh, about um, making a recovery uh, for the damages. Uh, one of the, the concerns also is the fact that whenever there's a claim, um, it, whatever, for example, if someone's on Medicare, and a lot of times uh, cases involve Medicare, um, Medicare has a right to be repaid. So we have to deal with liens. Um, for example, uh, health, uh, risk of self-funded plans will have a right to re- be repaid. Medicare has a right to be repaid. So not only are we recovering for the individuals, but we're also dealing with uh, particular payors who have a right to be repaid if there's a recovery. So if the jury verdict is $300,000, but all the medical bills are 100000 they get paid off the top? Not all, yes, they get paid off top. In fact, Medicare, ERISA self-funded plans, um, they have a right of first priority. The ERISA plans don't even have to pay an attorney's fee. Medicare, for example, let's say that you've got a situation where, uh, again, uh, the claim, let's say there was a million-dollar claim and uh, the medical bills were half a million dollars, but they only say that it's 10% against this doctor. So you're getting $100,000, but there's $500,000 of Medicare lien. Medicare is a right to first payment. The person wouldn't even get paid anything. So sometimes economically, as a an attorney, sometimes if the Medicaid lien is that high and their injuries are not catastrophic, sometimes it's almost not worth perceiving with the case. No, it'd be the tail wagging the dog. I mean, and you're just you're 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 filing a lawsuit just so an insurance company can get more money or Medicaid can get money back. And, and we can't do that. And that's another problem with uh, me- the. It's not a problem with it, but it's a reality of medical malpractice. One of the things that people have a hard time, again, dealing with is that just because there's an insult doesn't mean we can litigate it. As I was explaining how expensive it is, in hiring those doctors, those specialists, we spend a lot of money. And and in order to, let's say, for the average case, we're talking about having to invest a minimum of 25, really thinking about more like 50, um, just economically can't make it work. Adam, in 15 seconds, uh, tell us like uh, where your law office is in Edison because you're not my competition because you're the other end of Edison. That's right. Uh, we we actually have seven offices throughout the state, but I'm located uh, uh, 27 close to JFK Hospital uh, in northern Edison. Very good. Okay. Thank you, everyone. This is Ken Verkam and NJ Law Talk. Uh, we're here every Tuesday night. Uh, my office is on Woodbridge Avenue in Edison, New Jersey. That's the road that Middlesex County College is on. And next week, we'll be back.